Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome back. Today's episode is Women and Physical Therapy, Why is a Pelvic Floor Overlooked? The reason I wanted to talk about this today is partially because of my own journey. And if you know anything about me or if you don't, I just recently had my second child. I actually met Missy through a little bit of a postpartum journey of my own. So we need to open the dialogue around what pelvic floor physical therapy is and why it's important. We also want to discuss what are some of the barriers to getting treated and treatment, especially things like fear and embarrassment. And we also want to discuss who would benefit from physical therapy, pelvic floor, and what would be indicative or what would you kind of notice or sense if you needed physical therapy yourself. So today I have with me Missy Gallo. She is a physical therapist here in Columbus, Ohio. She is a doctor of physical therapy, and in her job, she has taken on a lot of interest in bridging the women's health conditions and really opening and exposing those gaps in knowledge and care. So as I mentioned, we met when I actually came to see her. So I had a lot of what I thought was sort of pain in my left hip, but it wasn't pain in my left hip, right? Right. And um, so we kind of got to talking about how this area often goes so undiagnosed and overlooked. Now, even myself as a physician, I pushed myself to exercise after I had my second child, and I really told myself I was probably fine and this nagging pain would go away. And I went to my postpartum visit and my doctor asked me how I was and I said I was totally fine and really I wasn't. So encapsulated in that is probably a lot of common things that you see. Definitely, So yes. we kind of could dissect out my case a little bit if we wanted to. You know, what in that story is common to you? Yeah, so I see this all the time with my patients. They come to me maybe with, like you said, a little bit of hip pain, a little bit of back pain, and then they really dive in once I ask more questions. Yeah, I also have some leaking or yes, this hurts and stuff that they don't even really think about or they maybe just think it's normal. So they don't know that they can come to physical therapy for these reasons. I think there's a myth that after you have a baby or as you age or as you go through menopause, you're just supposed to be miserable and leak urine and that all that stuff is totally normal. Exactly. Yes. And so that's not the case, right? No. We can do physical therapy for all of these diagnoses. So incontinence, pelvic pain, low back pain. A lot of people don't know that a diastasis recti, which is that separation in your abdomen, we can do physical therapy for that. So all of these things that are common postpartum problems don't have to be normal. So I try to teach my patients that while they may be common, that doesn't mean it's normal. I totally agree. So how is it that this goes missed so much, even with myself? I'm a women's health (laughs) physician. You know, how does this get missed so much? You know, I think the biggest problem is just knowledge and that women don't necessarily know, like I said, that they can get physical therapy for this and also that OBGYNs don't necessarily know to be referring women for this issue. So women need to start realizing that we can help and we're trying to get OBGYNs on board 
And not that they don't believe in it. It's just they don't, they don't know that it's an option always. The goal long term would be that everyone postpartum would have a standard physical therapy assessment for that six week follow up with their physician and they get cleared for exercise and everything else that they would then go see a physical therapist. Uh, who specializes in women's health and get cleared from them as well because they really are the experts in the musculoskeletal system. I agree. And I remember when we met, you told me that, and I thought that is brilliant because Mm -hmm. here I am sort of squeaking through the system when really I had a lot of issues myself. Exactly, yes. So what's the implication if someone has a pelvic floor disorder or another postpartum condition and it just goes missed for years and years and years. What what does that mean for her? So I also see this in a lot of my older uh, patients. They come at me uh, age 50, age 60, and they have chronic back pain, chronic neck pain. And when I ask about their history, they think it's kind of odd when I ask about, oh, so you have children. How many? How many years ago? And they're like, oh, my kids are 30. And I'm like, well, even 30 is postpartum. I always say once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. So I get into those questions like, what kind of delivery did you have? Did you have a vaginal or a C-section? And again, they think 30 years ago that, you know, that doesn't play into their pain anymore. Like, why, why do you care that I had a vaginal delivery 30 years ago? Well, because it makes a difference to me and how I'm going to treat you. I want to know if there were any complications 30 years ago with your pregnancy or postpartum. And again, that opens a dialogue for some stuff that they probably wouldn't have even told me. Like, oh yeah, after my first baby, I did have a lot of this weird sciatic pain and then it kind of went away. And now I'm a mom and I've been dealing with this pain for 30 years. So over time, your body just learns to compensate. Our bodies are super smart they know how to compensate. So, you know, they know that the baby's crying or you're busy and you just got to go. So if something hurts, you're just going to find a new way to do it. So you start using different muscle groups and you start using different strategies. A lot that I've learned is we have to teach people different strategies. So it's not necessarily, um, you're going to come to me and all we're going to do is exercises. I'm teaching people strategies, not necessarily all strengthening exercises. So maybe not like you're doing something right or wrong or black and white. It's kind of how your lifestyle is and kind of getting a better idea of, of how you're doing those things and then maybe teeing them up a little bit more. Am I on the right right track? Yeah. So I even, I have an example right now. I have a patient who is about 10 weeks postpartum and she has a lot of your typical pain, just pelvic pain. She describes it as heaviness in her vaginal area. And when we get into her daily life, you know, I'm giving her a home exercise program that she can incorporate into her daily life. So she has all right-sided pain and she has since we've dived in that she holds her baby mostly on the right. She also holds her toddler mostly on the right. She empties the dishwasher to the right. She sleeps on the right. She also puts the car seats in the car always to the right. So we kind of learned that she has this dominant posture and okay, so now we're going to start to empty the dishwasher on the other side. That's part of your home exercise program. We're going to start carrying and picking up your baby to the left. So we're, we're kind of giving her exercises to do throughout the day where, you know, you're a busy mom. You don't necessarily have 20 minutes to go through a home exercise program where you have to get out all your resistance bands and get out all your stuff. That can be overwhelming for a lot of moms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really great that we can incorporate this into their daily life. 
So you mentioned something that I experienced both time, which was pregnancy pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. So is there a link between if you have pain during your pregnancy and what that might mean for your sort of, I guess I'm going to call it pelvic health later on down the road? Yes. So there are some statistics out there from the American Association of Physical Therapy that show that 30% of women who have pain early in their pregnancy, even first, second trimester, if left untreated, they go on to have chronic pain for a majority of their life. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes. Um, and I think some of the problem is that when you go to your doctor throughout your pregnancy for your normal visits, you tell them about this pain and sometimes they just say, oh, it's going to go away once the baby is born. And some of that is true. Some of the pain you experience in pregnancy will go away. We know there is a total change in your body during pregnancy. Some will go away, but like I said, 30% of that pain that women have, especially in those early months, is not going to go away. You know, I had it with my my first child, and then I want to say it went away, although I'm not 100% sure, right? And then with my second child, this pain came a little bit earlier in pregnancy and didn't go away. Right, and I think that's pretty common once they get into that second pregnancy is when the pain comes on sooner and faster. Like, well, I didn't have this with my first pregnancy. I'm like, well, your body changed in that first pregnancy, and then it continued to change postpartum, and then you went straight into being pregnant again. Women also ask me, is there a link or is there a difference between if you have a vaginal or a C-section in terms of your pelvic health or, you know, pain or anything like that? Right. So the statistics show that 58% of women with vaginal delivery have pelvic pain, whereas C-section, it's about 43%. But either way, that is nearly half of all women that are having babies have pain postpartum. So it's still huge no matter what. Like this is really eye-opening in how important it is that we open the dialogue and have these conversations. Yes. So as we're kind of teaching our listeners to sort of advocate for themselves, what type of experiences or pain or, you know, conditions should you look out for so that you might want to bring this to the attention of your doctor if your doctor really doesn't address it with you? Yes. So the most common ones that people would think are obvious are the low back pain, the sciatic nerve pain, SI joint pain. But some of the least, you know, talked about ones are the incontinence in terms of physical therapy. Um, People don't know they can come for incontinence. They don't know they can come for the diastasis recti. They don't know they can come for pelvic organ prolapse and scar mobility. You know, if they're just having, I have some patients that have C-section scars that are still painful and they just think it's normal because it's a scar and it doesn't have to be. We can, we can work with that and we can do scar mobilizations and we can learn to kind of just bring that back into your body. Some women even say like it, this part of my body doesn't feel like me anymore. That's, that's really, that's just phenomenal information. And you know, it, it it's so helpful to know there's such a wide spectrum of sort of the more typical things you might expect to some lesser known things where physical therapy might be helpful. Brings me to another question I have for you is I see a lot of chronic abdominal pain in my clinic. And so how do you think chronic abdominal pain, whether it's like the upper abdominals, the mid obliques, how does that play into postpartum pelvic floor conditions? 
Yeah, so I'm learning a lot about that lately. And what I'm finding is that posture changes throughout pregnancy and your rib cage has to make room for the baby. So the rib cage starts to tilt um, anteriorly and your diaphragm gets kind of pushed up and out of the way. Hence why when you're pregnant, it's really hard to breathe. Um, You feel out of breath a lot. So because of that change in posture after the baby comes out, you don't just go back to like, oh, here's where my rib cage is supposed to be and this is how it's supposed to move. So I think a lot of that stems from the rib cage not moving the way it's supposed to afterwards, the diaphragm not being able to descend and recoil like it's supposed to, and then using muscles to stabilize you. So again, the deep core muscles, like the transverse abdominis, it gets weak. The rectus abdominis gets weak. It's being stretched for nine months. So when it comes out and you got to all of a sudden be strong and hold a baby and breastfeed and lift a child, your body's going to find ways to do that. So then you start using your obliques, you start using your diaphragm to stabilize. And those muscles, while they do stabilize, those are not meant to stabilize. Your obliques are meant to move you. Your diaphragm is a respiratory muscle. It's not meant to stabilize you either. Um, So we kind of have to re-educate those muscles, their role and then get the stabilizer muscles like the transverse abdominis and the pelvic floor to relearn their job in the body. Yeah, I'm so blown away by your expertise because <laughs> I I tend to think as a physician I have a good grasp on these things, but I really I really don't. Yeah, it's very eye-opening. It is. So my next question for you would be, you mentioned, and I kind of want to talk about, say, the woman who's in her late 40s or 50s, and she says, I've been having this pain for 15, 20 years. You know, what does a typical course of treatment look like for her? So again, I'm going to first assess posture. That's my number one. And I like to assess breathing. So I start in standing, and I want to see how they breathe. There is a lot of women who chest breathe or belly breathe instead of what I call diaphragmatic breathing. So breathing through that lower rib cage. And when we chest breathe, we're basically sending all the pressure straight up into our chest. So therein lies some chronic neck pain, upper back pain. So again, I have to teach them how this system works together. It's kind of like a piston. So if you think of your diaphragm and your core and your pelvic floor, they kind of work as a piston together. And again, when I start bringing up the pelvic floor, everyone says, oh, I know what a Kegel is. I know how to do a Kegel. I don't do those very often or as much as I should. I agree with that statement. But it's more than just a Kegel. It's it's how to synchronize that system together with your breath pattern. And more importantly than a Kegel, it's how to do a reverse Kegel. A lot of women don't know how to lengthen or let go of their pelvic floor. They kind of keep it whole, like held so tight and tonic. And a tonic, tight pelvic floor, again, can be a compensation for weakness somewhere else. So if your core muscles are weak, the pelvic floor is going to be like, all right, well, I got to pick up the slack and now I have to be really tight to make up for that. So then that can lead to incontinence, that can lead to a bunch of things. So I have to teach them how to let go of that, lengthen their pelvic floor and use it with their breath. And then we start to incorporate it into their daily tasks. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of high tone in patients who have painful intercourse. So could that be related? Yes, definitely. Um, 
So again, that, that high tone in the pelvic floor, it can cause a lot of irritation with insertion. So they can have, there's different types of pain with intercourse. It can be with insertion. It can be at the end range, you know, when the male is completely inserted. But either way, it's usually high tone in the pelvic floor and the woman not knowing how to use their breath and lengthen and let go of those muscles. What's your advice for someone who, you know, maybe listening who's been referred to pelvic floor physical therapy but is too embarrassed or sort of worried about like what that means because a lot of times I'll say you know I really want you to go to see my pelvic floor physical therapist and my patients will look at me like you want me to what (laughs) right because they've heard of vaginal weights and all kinds of weird tools that they use but again the the certified women's health therapists are highly trained in doing internal work. It's very professional. You're in a private room. It's no different than going to your OBGYN. They are going to do an internal assessment that is completely gloved in with drapes and everything. So it's very modest. And sometimes that internal assessment is needed to really see what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I do find that my patients who kind of get past that weirdness of what they might be doing Mm -hmm. really really benefit yes definitely my next question would be if somebody completes their program with you what's the best way for them to maintain the benefits that they've gained yeah so adherence is the biggest thing um compliance with their home exercise program and then again it's just it's putting it in the hands of the patient so i love empowering women that they can manage this on their own. So giving them tools that if they do have a flare-up or they have a bad day or they've gotten out of their routine and they start to flare up, that they can be like, okay, I remember what Missy told me. I need to do a couple of these exercises. I know how to manage this on my own. And yes, the body is very good at going back to its old ways. If you are consistent and you continue to practice these methods, you will... I find a lot of patients will come back to me and say, oh, I was doing this and I noticed, I noticed I had my my butt clenched or I had my pelvic floor really tight and I just took a deep breath and I was able to let go. So just their awareness, their self-awareness is so much better once they have come to see me for a few weeks. I think the whole idea about the body compensating is so true. It's it's just like hypertension. You know, your heart compensates to push out the against the extra pressure and that compensating sets you up for heart attacks and strokes. So it's exactly I see that like theme mm-hmm. among, you know, the ailments that you might have and if you just continue to ignore them. Right. And you know, seeing patients with chronic any type of pain is something you like most definitely really want to avoid because it's so debilitating. It's so frustrating and it really affects your quality of life. It does. It's very frustrating. And a lot of people just want to give up because it does take a lot of hard work and dedication on their end. Right. Versus just taking, say, pain medications that's going to kind of bridge the problem, but not necessarily address the exact issue. Yes. I like to tell people, you know, this is not a quick fix. And if they're looking for a quick fix, they might want to go get some pain medication from their primary care doctor. Right. So tell me a little bit about, I know we were sort of talking before about bridging that gap between physical therapy and the orthopedic world. Tell us a little bit more about what that means to you. Yeah, so I think um, there's just a common 
census that women's health physical therapy has to be separate from orthopedic physical therapy. And as I'm getting more into the literature and learning more about this, I'm just confused as to why it's separate because I am seeing these same issues, these same compensations in the male population and not even older males, but younger males, it doesn't matter. So the pelvic floor is part of your body. It is a muscle just like any other muscle. So I'm trying to bridge that gap so that most all orthopedic physical therapists understand how the pelvic floor works in the body and how it can be incorporated into any treatment. So you have a patient coming with hip pain the hip is connected to the pelvis, which is connected to the pelvic floor. So we need to be addressing the pelvic floor with really any lower body condition. And I would even argue to say that a shoulder patient coming in, I'm looking at their diaphragm, I'm looking at their core, I'm looking at their pelvic floor, because again, it's that foundation and I can't treat the shoulder unless they have their foundation figured out. Yeah, that's so cool and so like mind blowing in just thinking about it. I, I guess I want to say holistically, but really just looking at the body as a whole, not just the one, you know, the, the shoulder one piece. Exactly. And they'll come to me with plantar fasciitis and they're like, why are you talking to me about my pelvic floor? I'm here for my foot. Especially guys, right? <laughs> yes. I've talked to men about it. And while it can be awkward, and I think that's part of the problem is that it's awkward conversation. So a lot of orthopedic physical therapists don't want to have that conversation. Like, hey, we're going to talk about your pelvic floor for a minute. And to understand your pelvic floor, you have to use words like rectum and penis and and vagina because to the brain, that's all they understand. You can't just tell a man to contract his pelvic floor. They don't know what that means. But if you tell them that they need to pick up a pencil through their penis, they can visualize that and they can figure it out. And that's kind of the cues that I have to use with my male patients if I'm wanting them to really understand how this system works. So you kind of have to put your ego aside and just have the conversation. Yeah. So, you know, and I really don't treat men anymore. So I can imagine if this is difficult for in some, not all, but some obstetricians and gynecologists that orthopedics, Mm -hmm. you know, or docs who do ortho, this might also be really kind of far off their radar, or I could be totally wrong. I I really don't know. So, you know, what's your, what has your experience been? It's just been that they don't want to have the conversation and, Or that they just, they don't have the knowledge because again, like, of course, in physical therapy school, you are taught about the pelvic floor, but it is not necessarily focused on like it is with all the other joints and muscle groups in your body. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's like lack of understanding um, in the physical therapy world, but it, it seems that if you want to learn about that system more, you have to really go on and can take the continuing education courses that focus on pelvic floor health after, you know, graduation. How many people are interested in this track? Kind of historically, has it been sort of slow? Are you seeing the pendulum starting to swing and more people are getting educated, especially as we kind of open these dialogues about women's health? What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. And I really think stuff like this, like podcasts and social media are a great thing. I know that 
it's such the trend these days, Instagram, Twitter. So getting the word out there on social media has been a great outlet for people. Obviously, the goal is to get to OBGYNs and kind of make them aware of what we can treat. But I really think the American Association of Physical Therapy is doing a great job at making articles about this, posting blogs about this. There's lots of new research about this. So it is coming to light more in the physical therapy world for sure. That's wonderful. So just kind of, you know, thinking about how we can reach more people, educate more people, and then just have women be able to advocate for themselves too, I think is really important. Yep. So another question I have is one that I get a lot from my patients, which is, is there a, anything known about the role that your changing hormones might play in either exercises you should do or different types of pain that you might have? What is the role of the hormones in the female body sort of postpartum or, you know, many years postpartum? Yeah. So while I'm not a specialist in hormones, I do know that obviously estrogen is very dominant postpartum. You're very lax still postpartum, especially if you are breastfeeding. So the hormones are still streaming through your body and your ligaments are relaxed. There's still a lot of laxity going on. So a lot of that pelvic instability and pelvic pain can stem from that. And again, when you're estrogen dominant, then you don't necessarily have the progesterone levels that you necessarily want, which leads to fatigue. So if you're a postpartum woman and you're trying to get back to crossfitting five days a week at high intensity, you know, that might not be the best thing for your body. Unfortunately, I'm one of those women. I wanted to get back to CrossFit as soon as possible and I wanted to go as hard as possible. And I quickly learned that I wasn't ready. I didn't have the strength I needed. Every time I pushed myself hard, I was in pain. So that's not a good thing. So I think the hormones definitely play a role in that. So we need to be conscious of that and be aware of that. So strengthening after having a baby is so important. And while cardio is also important, I know a lot of people are just, you know, raring to go to lose their baby weight. And they want to just get back in the gym and and hit it as hard as possible. We still have to be safe. So do you think that played a role with me at all? I think maybe just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) So do you recommend specific exercises postpartum? I mean, there's definitely some go-to exercises that I would give friends, family, if they're just like, hey, what, what should I do? I'm ready to get back at it. Like we have to start with the breathing and we have to start with that system. So just learning how to use your diaphragm again and realigning that rib cage over the pelvis is where I start. So that is number one and most important. And then we go from there. And again, it's all individualized from there. And what were they doing during pregnancy? Is this a woman that doesn't exercise at all? Is she a CrossFitter that exercised her entire pregnancy? So every plan is going to look a little different, but we have to start with the basics or it's not going to work. So I think that was particularly eye-opening for me because a lot of us probably think of ourselves as strong women who are going to, you know, get right back after having their children or get right back to chasing their toddler or go to work or exercise And kind of coming back to just thinking about how to breathe and learning how to do reverse Kegels or learn how to use that diaphragm is so, it really can be like a hard pill to swallow kind Mm -hmm. of. Definitely. I have a patient right now who has never had children. She's had incontinence for about... 
10 years. She's in her 40s, um, not postpartum, never pregnant. And on the first visit, all I taught her was the piston breathing. And she came back at the second visit and her incontinence was almost 50% improved. So that just shows you how important it is. And that if we don't address that first, we could be missing kind of the key link. Yeah, so that just basic fundamental breathing is so vital. Yes, everyone thinks it's very easy to breathe, but it's actually very complicated. Yeah, especially after you've had a child sitting in that area, right? Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, this is a pretty big idea, but how do we get to a point where we do really standardize this visit? Because I almost got missed, and that's kind of embarrassing. But how do we get to a place where we might be able to standardize this so that we don't miss women, so that women don't think that they just have to wear pads every time they run after their children are born or don't go to yoga. I have patients who don't even travel anymore. They cancel all their retirement plans to go to Europe because they're just leaking. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we get to make this so that women don't have to just suffer in silence or think that this is just normal? Yeah, like I said, it's common but not normal. And I don't know necessarily what the answer is other than continuing to spread the word. Luckily in Ohio, we are direct access and you don't have to have a referral from a physician to come to physical therapy. So that opens a lot of avenues for people that just know or have seen on social media or they've done a little research on their own. You know, Google is a great thing and they have found us on their own. And again, it's just word of mouth. It's letting everyone know that it's an option and they don't have to live this way. And then the other piece of it is getting to the physicians, getting to the OBGYNs and getting everyone on board that we can standardize this as a visit because I know that this is standard in the UK and hopefully we're heading in that direction. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have a course of treatment, but just to even come for a one-time visit to kind of get cleared from a musculoskeletal standpoint to return to life. Well, I truly believe everyone could have a course of treatment of some kind, whether it's two weeks or six months, I think every woman could benefit from physical therapy postpartum. So I definitely believe and agree in that. If it wasn't for me talking to your colleague at the gym and telling her about my hip pain, which it's it's not my hip, right? But if it wasn't for me sort of telling her about my pain, I wouldn't have seen you. And so it's really important that if you like this podcast, share it with your friend or share it with someone who's just had a baby or who has incontinence or who has painful intercourse or pain, maybe they're pregnant right now. You know, we want to share, share, share so that we really can open those doors and break down the barriers. And be afraid to ask questions either. So if you have a friend, don't be afraid to be like, hey, Hey, do you leak? Because I think I have someone you could go see. So you have to not be afraid to ask questions and not be afraid to tell each other about your your issues. You know, you don't have to live alone with this because everyone, I guarantee you, everyone is having some experience that they can relate to. Right. Whether they've had a child or not, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I see the same thing with so many women's health issues, which is, again, really is sort of my passion for doing this is to get the word out there. I see it a lot with suffering in perimenopause or menopause or with bad PMDD. As long as we start talking and don't keep these things really to ourselves anymore, we are going to just help each other and help ourselves and help our daughters and etc. 
Yes. So we will link some really great resources um, in the podcast as well. So some great links to the um, section of women's health, uh, physical therapy, and some other great online tools that have some really good just free home exercise programs. Like if you are completely lost, you don't know where to start, there is step-by-step guides out there for you until you can find that physical therapist in your area and really get plugged in that way. So this is so exciting. Is there anything that kind of came about for your personal story that got you really excited about this topic? Yeah. So luckily being a physical therapist, I already had the knowledge that this help was out there and I had my own set of issues. Even pre-pregnancy, I had a lot of pelvic pain. I even had some incontinence prepartum, if that's a word. So I got plugged in and I found a women's health specialist in my area and then I did get pregnant and I ended up having twins and I had a lot of pain during that pregnancy and I'm still dealing with it. I am 11 months postpartum myself and I have my own issues and I would consider myself strong and I've done CrossFit for a few years and I thought it was going to be easy to get back at it and it's it's not. So again, I think I just got super passionate about it and I decided we need to spread the word and we need to help people because they don't have to live like this. And I have so many friends. I mean, I'm at the age, we're both at the age where all of our friends are pregnant and postpartum and literally everywhere you turn, there's a pregnant person and we need to help them. So I'm just trying to spread the word. So I went on and took some continuing education through Julie Weeb. She is a well-known physical therapist out in California. She has some great online content for both physical therapists and patients. She has a great blog, which I, I would love to do myself. I just haven't found the time. But her blog is great. She asks great questions. She has a big social media presence. So yeah, I'm kind of working on that path to get certified to do internal assessments. But right now I'm I'm having a lot of success just treating people externally, which is even more exciting that you don't necessarily have to have that internal piece to make people better. I absolutely agree. And even being the patient and seeing it from that different view, I can't say enough, just even, again, sort of how much just the simple steps and the simple breathing exercises really do make a big difference. Yes, huge difference. And I really wouldn't have learned that if I feel like you hadn't sort of stressed that and taught that to me in a way that really made sense, especially just with the posture, with my daily activities, with me working as a physician and running around my children, it all kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of summarize, someone's listening and they want the like two minute bulletin points or the cliff notes, what would you want to leave people with? Yeah, I just want people to be aware whether men or women, I know we've focused on women, but I just want to make people aware that this system often gets missed in your body. And we have a brain map to every muscle group and every joint. And while your brain map to let's say your bicep is super strong, I can ask you to contract your bicep and you know exactly what to do. You know exactly what position to put your arm in to get the best bicep contraction. When I ask you to contract your pelvic floor, you don't have a good brain map to 
there. So you don't know how to do it. So educating the patient on that alignment piece, that rib cage and the pelvic positioning to access your pelvic floor is so important and getting back to the breathing. So if you are listening to this and you have any sort of pain, whether it's pelvic pain, incontinence, low back pain, upper back pain? Are you a mom that breastfeeds and has a lot of upper back pain? Any of this is for you. So I really just am trying to get that message across. So we really want to spread the word. So again, if you've got someone, a friend or family member who's suffering, you know, share this with them. So Missy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. And um, we'll definitely have to connect again and maybe give a update on how I do as a patient, right? Yes, we can get into your case study. (laughs) Awesome. So thank you so much for listening in. I hope you had a really wonderful 35 minutes with us. I hope you learned something new. And if you have any remaining questions or comments, please feel free to send them my way. I really want to make sure that we or Missy answer these for you. So thank you for listening in and I hope you listen in again soon. Bye.